Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Hot Hits Wrestling Podcast. I'm Hit Zero. I'm Hadi. Uh, this week, this is a bit of an impromptu episode. We weren't planning to do a Hot Hits. I'm so close to the previous Hot Hits because, you know, um, as we mentioned in our, in our last episode, our next episode was planned to be WrestleMania 38. Mm-hmm. But so much has happened in the last couple of weeks that we just couldn't resist jumping on for a little improvised episode. Um, primarily because we wanted to talk about the life and legacy and career of the late great Scott Hall mm-hmm. alongside all of the other amazing, monumental sort of big developments that have been happening in all elite wrestling yep. as well. Yep. Um, and we wanted to briefly touch upon uh, Dolph Ziggler's quite surprising slash shocking win of the NXT 2.0 Championship, uh, beating Braun Breaker for the belt. Uh, but let's begin with the bad guy. Razor Ramon, aka Scott Hall, um, who passed away just recently um, due to complications from hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, um, due to complications from hip surgery, a blood clot had moved. It caused yeah. um, three simultaneous heart attacks or, or sub, uh, consecutive heart attacks, um, which led him to being on life support and then being taken off life support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned that through Kevin Nash and and. Uh, one two three kid who who posted about his his um health deteriorating health deteriorating health status. Love it. Um, and he passed away um just a couple of days after that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is quite a shocking development kind of thing because primarily because you know Scott Hall has gone through so many so much demons in his life. Um, mm-hmm. his struggle with alcoholism and substance substance abuse issues, and he seems to have you know come out of that for the better. Um, which is why his sudden um, turn for the worst, you know, health-wise, over a matter of two, three days, was just so shocking to lose uh, Scott Hall like this. Um, what are your memories of of Razor Ramon or, or or Scott Hall as he was known in WCW? What 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 do you remember of his uh, in-ring career and his legacy? I mean, the most memorable part of Razor Ramon came in the early nineties, all the way to maybe the late uh, the early two thousands. I think that period of time. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. He was, a, he was a big part of that. Yeah, and you know, he had that, that interesting um, tug, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, character that was so unique among all the other more zany characters, I would say. Of that era la, where you had like um, a garbage Correct. man, a clown, so, a dentist, yeah, you know, sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, this guy that kind of has this like talk like a uh, gimmick that, that that you needed to take seriously la. um mm-hmm. not only that but he just had this natural charisma about him machismo as he would say yeah you know and that the yeah. whole bad guy line was just brilliant you know um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his gold that he wore um yep. you know this and, toothpick. yeah in the toothpick in the, the iconic toothpick in the mouth right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how he will uh, he will um he will flick it right into the camera after he's done um, he's the only guy who had a cool mullet, in my opinion, I in the history 100% of the world. I yeah. 100% agree with that. He's the only guy yeah. who could pull off a dope-ass mullet. Fucking dope. I, I think you needed, like, the, the little string of hair in the, in middle, the middle, like, in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the greasiness and all that, that somehow he carries off really well. Mm-hmm. But everything, just everything about Scott Hall, about Razor Ramon, like, as we know him, right? Mm. Just cry it cool. Yes, you know the definition yeah. of cool during that period of time, lah. Um, yeah, I, I I felt that uh his legacy was always will, will be always tied to the IC title, 
Um, he elevated it to 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 levels that uh you know it never been elevated before. Made made sure that that was a title to be taken seriously. Mm. And uh, and for a long time after him, I mean, it was because of him the IC title became this really strong workhorse title. Um, maybe not because of no, him, no, but he's he's one of, yeah, some, he was one of those pillars, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, Bret Hart and exactly, Owen Hart had exactly. won it before then, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. And he continued that tradition and that legacy, like, I would say. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? I mean, there are so many um cool matches, you know. He, I I loved his his matches with Shawn Michaels, you know. With uh, um, uh, with Lex Luger, you know, back in the day, you know, the, oh Nitro, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. there are so many cool, cool moments that he was involved in with Bret Hart back in the ni- early nineties, you know, mm. like it was just dope shit lah. That that, and you always wanted Razor Ramon to win, even though he was the bad guy. Yes, yeah. Um, when you were a kid, right? Like, um, Razor Ramon came up around the time when I was in primary Same. school, so I yeah. was like. Five, six, seven, eight. When yeah. I was watching Razor Ramon, yeah. you know, um, and all throughout that time, up until his NWO run, right, mm-hmm. I hundred percent believed that he was Cuban. Like I, I convinced Same. me he was Cuban. Same. I thought he was Cuban, you know. I had no idea he was just like a random white guy with like greasy hair. No, know? exactly. Same. Like, exactly. He, he was obviously like kind of pulling from the the big movie at that, at that of the era, like, Scarface. Yeah. yeah. So he was this Scarface Cuban gimmick, and I firmly believe that to the point where I thought uh, in my mind now thinking back right like in an era where cool heels are a dime a dozen yeah. um, Razor I think was the first cool heel that I can remember mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. as we mentioned ooh machismo that you can't help can't but help. cheer for him yeah. he is the first instance at least in my generation um, I'm sure like Roddy Piper in the, in the generation before. before me also was like a cool heel right mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for me I was like it's the first time I was like Man, I, I just can't boo this guy. I love him so much. Same. He's so dope. I want him to beat Bret Hart, etc., etc. Um, he popularized the crucifix power bomb yes. under his itch, as, as it's come to be known as well. Yes. And he has a history of very of being a very selfless worker in an era of selfish workers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the man who made the one two three kit. Like without okay. Razor Ramon, uh, where would Sean Walman be today? Um, where would uh, at the NWO be, you know, mm-hmm. where would WCW be without him and Kevin Nash jumping over, you know? Um, I thought I w- remember watching on, on Channel 5 at that time, you know, yeah. just a random like WWE superstars kind of thing. Razor Ramon taking on a jobber named the kid, yeah. you know, um, dominating him for, for two, three minutes, just like, you know, just any random jobber. Yeah. Like out of nowhere, one two three kid pulls off a moonsault and a roll up pin and win. for a for a jobber to win. I had never it blew my mind as Agreed. a child, like watching a jobber beat Razor Ramon, and it immediately solidified one two three kid as like a, a mid card upper card star yeah. from a jobber status. A you know, he was so he was so selfless that way. Yeah. And for those of you who don't watch NJPW, uh, when he went over to NJPW in two thousand one, mm-hmm. he did the same thing. Uh, basically ran the same angle at uh, the one two three kid angle with a young lion mm-hmm. in two thousand one. Uh, in one of his very first matches. Um, do you know who that was? Who that young lion was that he put over? Who did he put over? Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah, he gave uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who was just at that point a young lion jobber, a big win over Razor Ramon, and boy, that skyrocketed him as well. Um, when Chris Jericho was still coming up in WCW, um. Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo booked uh, Chris Jericho to beat uh, Scott Hall. Uh, sorry, uh, booked Scott Hall to beat Chris Jericho. Uh, but Chris Jericho called an audible saying that, you know, in the ring that he didn't need the win, but um, 
uh, it's called Hulk Con Audible saying that he didn't win, but Chris Jericho needed it. So he went against Booking and let Chris Jericho beat him. Mm-hmm. You know, he is he has the history of selflessly putting other guys over in an era of, you know, your Hogan's and Sean. Yeah, your brassing, you, you need know. to grab the brassing and you must hold it as tight as possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the epitome of like the selfless worker exactly. and I really Which is so rare. appreciated that. So rare, you know, he yeah. was a founder of the NWO, one of the original cool heels. Mm-hmm. He has the best line of Hall of Fame speeches, you know, because oh, yeah. I think I think we've all grown very sick and tired of these like six hour Hall of Fame ceremonies where yeah. each guy talks for like 90 minutes, yeah. like just rambling about nothing. Yeah. Scott, Scott Hall's was like two minutes flat, very, very, very concise. He just said bad times don't last, but bad guys do oh, and yeah. boom. Done. You know? Immediately iconic, you know. Yeah. Um, also, another iconic line that I vividly remember. I just started watching Nitro on CNBC. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Nitro is on TNT la, in America. Yeah, but yeah. in Singapore, it was on the CNBC channel or Channel 15, I remember, yeah. on SCV. Um, I saw Scott Hall and Kevin Nash appear in Nitro and I was shocked. Mm-hmm. And he has the best intro line of any person, of any invasion angle. Like, he just came on the mic. He says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And that got me so intrigued. I started, you know going on message boards, buying wrestling, like, you know, Smart Mark magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. Man, the, the, the guy was so great. Um, yes. What were your, I mean, I, I suppose you already mentioned uh, some of your, your favorite mm-hmm. matches, you know. Um, what were some of your favorite matches of Razor Ramon or, or, or Scott Hall's uh, career? To be fair, I had to, to do a bit of, uh, I had to go back in time and rewatch certain Scott Hall moments and all that stuff, like, you know, because it's been a while. Yeah, um, yep. And I think the one that came to mind is uh, WrestleMania 10, uh, where he took on Shawn of Michaels. Of course. His two leather ma- matches with Shawn Michaels, yep. the, or the first two leather matches in history, by the way. Yeah. The um, in, uh, in televised history, at least, uh, yeah. they had run a house show leather match with Bret Hart first uh, as a kind of a test run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the first two televised leather matches featured Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10, mm-hmm. and then the SummerSlam of the following year. Yeah. Um and they are, both of them arguably still considered the two best ladder matches of all time and they were the first two mm-hmm. because it was so innovative. Um the psychology, unlike you know, many of today's uh ladder matches, was very sound. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you look at the beginning of the initial ladder match, yeah. how much time um Scott uh, Scott Hall or Razor Ramon spent uh, working uh Shawn Michaels' leg, right? Yeah. So it gave it gave a reason for him hobbling up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just just stuff like that. It was it was crazy. I, it blew my mind. You know, people jumping off ladders, hitting each other, others with ladders. I know it's very a dime a dozen these days, but keep in mind we had never seen yeah, anything like that before. Yeah, and this we were what seven or eight, you know. And this was when like they were mm. going higher than the ring, you know. Yeah. At that point of time, we only thought the ring as the highest point. Right, right. The, third yeah, the, the, the third turn buckle. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Th- yeah, so we this was like. This is an insane thing. I mean, now we're used to it really, obviously. Lah. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. freaking uh, Shane McMahon jump off a Titan Tron, you know? So, sure. exactly, we are not... Heights is no longer a, a thing that, that really uh, interests us anymore. But this was when, you know, <laughs> height became the new the new dimension that wrestling mm. went into, evolved into. Yeah, yeah they, they pioneered the Lavender match. Where would Jeff Hardy and the TLC matches be or the yeah. Young Bucks and stuff Without like that? Without Without Shawn Michaels and Razor, okay. it's amazing. In in fact, like a lot of the modern cool heels took from Scott Hall and that NWODX type of style. You know, yeah. it's it's great. Yeah, the WrestleMania ten match, if you've not seen, mm. I think it's superior to the SummerSlam match, but both, both are, are like cool. yeah. this is this is the the Godfather one and two of ladder matches. Agreed. You know, like you, you could say either one is better, but you know, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Yeah. Of course, I already talked about oh, hit the one two three kit match, yeah. which I think 
just for the pure. I mean, it wasn't like a masterpiece of a. It wasn't even a long match, nah. just a two minute match. Yeah. But just the, sh- the the shock value of it, the surprise, oh, how he put one to a jobber over, amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think those are the matches that really stuck in my head alongside his feud with uh with Sting and and Randy Savage and Lex Luger in WCW. Uh, which led to a lot of great matches on on Nitro and on WCW pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that his first feud ever in WWF when he went to WWF was against Bret Hart? Yeah. Um, Bret Hart was already a top guy. So instantly, Razor Ramon, although he lost the feud to Bret Hart, instantly it made him a, a mid-card star. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this guy... I'm legitimate because I, because I hung with Bret Hart. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, you know. And I, I think he learned the whole like putting guys over and being selfless from, from Bret, Bret Hart, who was the yeah. Was the epitome of that the the anti Shawn Michaels? Uh, should we say who is Bret Hart? Yeah, <laughs> thank God that that was his uh coming to age kind of like story, you mm. know, in in terms of wrestling lah. That the guy that put him over was Bret Hart lah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, Even though and he lost, just, but he he was it was a super competitive feud. You know, yeah. Like this is what we keep saying. Like feuds, losing feuds doesn't mean that you are lower down the card. Sometimes losing feuds can make you. You know, as you can see with like. What AEW is doing, you know, Darby Allen lost his feud to Cody Rhodes and mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston when he came in, he lost his feud. To, Stone Cold lost um, his feud to Bret Hart. Yeah, absolutely. But you can be made in those losses exactly. uh, at the same time, you know. Right, when we think um, of uh, a Stone Cold legendary moment is the double turn. Mm, of course, yeah. so one of the best matches of all time. Exactly. You know? yeah. um, Scott Hall, I think, had one of Goldberg's best matches. It sold out in 1999 also. You know, yeah. Goldberg is not... Even back then, when Goldberg was very young, he was not <laughs> a really great worker, but Scott Hall carried him to a really, really yeah, solid match. He did. Um, so many good things to say about Scott Hall. Not to mention his real life feel good overcoming alcoholism yeah. story and everything, you know. And, and um, I also so don't great. think we should uh, forget his time in TNA. I think he was one of the last lifelines that TNA had. Mm, I made TNA yes, quite yeah. legit, actually. Mm, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had a great career in multiple mm-hmm, companies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have not seen a particular match I want to highlight, it's on an old defunct show called WWE Action Zone, which is like WWE Superstars or WWE Heat. It's just like nothing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's all those. He had, he had a tag match uh, teaming with the 1-2-3 Kid versus Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Uh, an all-click match that was very excellent because we all expected, at least I did, I expected 1-2-3 Kid to be the one to, the face in peril, right? Yeah. You know, like then he makes the, he makes the tag to Scott Hall. But it, Scott Hall is so selfless, he made it the other way around. He was the face in peril. And one, two, three kid got a hot tag and demolished Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. In an era where Diesel and Shawn Michaels were like the two top guys in the WWF, like, it was great. Um, this guy is so fantastic, primarily because he was so selfless. Um, rest in peace, Scott Hall. You know. Um, any final words before we, we move on uh, from Scott Hall's career? No, man. I mean, um, he'll be missed. Uh. I mean, looking back, again, another wrestler that died too young. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I mean, this this one, I mean, it's not due to concussions, thankfully. Yeah, it's just it's like... just a, a freak accident, a freak thing. Yeah, this is this is really an act of God. Kind of yeah, thing. but... Um, yeah, I mean, his journey was great. The, the off-the-ring the off kind of thing was inspiring, you know, how he came out of it. He became a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. And he became one of those wrestling ambassadors that... Uh, that yeah, like you're glad uh, was still around, like, You know the nostalgia, uh, like whenever he came on to WWE to do some weird ass promo, like once in ten years, you know, uh, yep. it was always fun to see, and it, 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 he will really be missed, like, Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, now we're moving on to All Elite Wrestling's latest Dynamite special, AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam, mm. recently emanated from San Antonio, Texas, uh, at the Freeman Coliseum, you know. Mm. Um, and it featured Thunder Rosa winning the women's world what? title from Dr. Britt Baker DMD <laughs> inside a steel cage in a bloody brutal match. The Hardy Boys reuniting and debuting. Mm-hmm. In ring in the in AEW's tag team division, um, Chris Jericho ushering in a new era of sports entertainment. Um, Brian Danielson, William Regal, and John Moxie ushering in a new era of pure pro wrestling. Uh, you know those uh, factions are probably going to feud later on. So everything is very 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 nicely set up. But I would be remiss if I didn't um, do a little Tommaso Ciampa on the ringside and pat myself on the back. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Um, for predicting not only the Hardy Boys mm-hmm. versus Private Party. Uh, I, I did. I did. You did. You listen to the last three episodes. Hardy Boys Private Party is some, something I've been predicting. Yep. I predicted the time, date, and location of Thunder Rosa beating uh, Dr. Britt Baker DMD. No, you predicted not only the that, stipulation. I, I predicted the stipulation too. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, um, I basically... Oh, um, I also predicted uh, Wheeler Utah. Uh, Rigo and uh, Mox and Danielson yes. trying to recruit yes. him. Yes, You know? Um. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what can what can I say? What low? Like most of my things came true. Yeah. Not because I'm some sort of Nostradamus, no. but si- simply because AW does very cohesive, logical, simple storytelling. Exactly. You know. Um. I I I know a lot of people kind of want pro wrestling to like step it up a notch and be like high art or like you know make it like the Sopranos or whatever. But the thing is, right? Simple, basic storytelling has to come first. Yeah. You know, before you before. You, Baby steps, lah. Yeah. When the alternative is absolute nonsense on WWE, like something very basic feels refreshing, like this. Yeah. Um, anybody with any like creative writing or creative instinct or storytelling instincts, and are invested in a product and pick up little clues here and there, you know, are rewarded by basic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta be you gotta be law and order first before you become the wire, you know. Oh my god, that's <laughs> and, a good that's a good analogy, man. And AW is like just, just doing ba- yeah. very simple law and order shit, you know. Like I'm, I'm not expecting them to be the wire, but you don't need to be yeah. when the other show is. You garbage. know what it is, like. Yeah, absolute garbage, you know. I want to see Reno Nine One One, but Reno Nine One One is actually very funny. Um, Reno Nine One One is BTE. Yeah, BTE, correct. Yeah, yeah. So we we got our cop show analogies down. WWE is uh, cops, basically. WWE is cops. Yeah, yeah. Like got no storylines. Um. Yeah, weird, yeah. weird people winning and weird people appearing. Um, kind of borderline offensive with how many that <laughs> you know, like, uh, minorities get buried on that show. You know? exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, speaking of minorities not getting buried, let's let's start off with sure. the top, the the, the headline lah. Thunder Rosa is your new world women's Let's champion go. in a steel in a brutal bloody steel cage match against Dr. Britt Baker DMD. They had a lot of callback to their lights out match exactly one year ago at St. Patrick's Day Slam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um this is why I predicted this date like, because it's the one year anniversary of the lights out match, you know, and it emanates from Thunder Rosa's hometown. Anybody who just, mm-hmm. you know, paid attention would know this was gonna happen. Yep. And I thought the steel cage match was a banger and mm-hmm. quite um it, it kind of redeemed both performers from a like last uh, revolution match, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, 100% agreed there. Like, come on, man. Uh, Rosa's entrance was dope, right? Like, that was. The mar- they got the mariachi band and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I love uh, Britt Baker paying homage to Scott Hall. Uh, that mm. was great. Um, I, I 
the change of referee in the middle of the match was a good touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way the thumbtacks were used, I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was also a callback to the lights out match. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. everything was like, um, I feel like they 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 knew that they had a very lackluster match, and somehow they they came back trying to prove that no, 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 we deserve to be in this uh, main event spot, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. uh, they delivered 100%. I had so much fun watching this. There were some insane spots. Um, oh. where you, you you were alluding to the thumbtacks, right? Yeah. The spot where Thunder Rosa grabbed Britt Baker's yeah. hand and like slammed it down on the thumbtacks, <laughs> yeah. you know, was just so visceral. It was something very simple uh, and like very superficial cuts and everything, yeah, but, but it, was, it looks so painful. Yeah. Um, Baker's super aerate crash mm. from the second rope uh, onto the chairs was amazing. Mm. Even Aubrey Edwards counting the three on thumbtacks. Yes. Even I, I was like, Aubrey, come like, on, man. Just Ooh. move to the right a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the spot of the match had to be uh, Britt Baker constructing a pyramid of chairs. <laughs> um, three levels of, you know, a pyramid of chairs. Yeah. And then that backfired. She took a back body drop mm-hmm. onto that. That looked nasty, man. Like, I can't, ima- I can't imagine how you land properly on that. And Jim Ross said that I said a very common line like, like you don't learn how to fall like that like, you know like <laughs> nobody nobody knows how to safely fall and things like that 100%. It, was, it was it was fucking crazy it was just as good as your last match and most importantly Brit um, Baker losing the title to Thunder Rosa in San Antonio uh, her adopted hometown made it feel more special so you know I, I said there's a reason why the revolution match felt so anticlimactic it's because they wanted to wait for this specific date, specific date and time um, and because they did, and because this moment is so special, I was willing. I'm willing to forgive the revolution match. Yeah, uh, what about same. You? I mean, this is what we always lot. Uh, why we always praise AEW is the fact mm. that when something goes wrong, they automatically try to correct it almost immediately. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so again, yeah, they, they did such a great, great job here. Um, while the the, the the highlights of the match was actually at the end of the match the last few seconds when Dustin Rhodes actually came up into the mm. ring and like, like hugged her and all that while she's like openly weeping right yep, I was yep. like, oh that's so great like all these Texans you know like so happy that their hometown champion won mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and there's some there's a there's a magic allure to when your hometown champion wins you know your, your hometown yeah. re- uh, uh, exponent wins lah and mm-hmm. and that's something that the WWE hated doing. Remember, they always swerved yep. us, and always the, the hometown guy was always going to lose. Yeah, it became a frustrating trope in WWE mm-hmm. because the hometown person never won. Yes, you know, um, the UFC often tries to put hometown uh, fighters in favorable positions. You know, mm-hmm. um, some but I think seventy five percent of the time the hometown guys tend to lose because of you know pressure mm-hmm, or just mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. they were outmatched or things like that. But the the thing is right. The UFC can't script exactly. their things. You know, they they wanted their hometown guys to win. It just never happened. But it's sports. You know, that's how it goes. Yes. Pro wrestling is fake, bro. I don't know whether you've heard. It's scripted. You can <laughs> script your hometown guy to win. So why are they always losing? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. You, uh, how many times has Mustafa Ali lost <laughs> in Chicago? Chicago Pro- yeah. Probably every single time, right? Yeah. You know, I don't understand it. Even yeah. Charlotte has lost in her hometown. Yeah, of course, Charlotte. You know the most, the most protected woman, protected woman in all pro wrestling history, still loses in the hometown as well because of WWE's stupid mentality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. But uh, thank God again, this match really, really, really redeemed uh, that lackluster of a match during Revolution, and I'm so glad for that. Um, mm. So yeah, forgiven, hundred percent forgiven. 
definitely. Yeah. Um, amidst all the big things that happened on St. Patrick's Day Slam, one would be remiss mm. if you forgot about its opening match where the Undisputed Era took on Hangman Adam Page, the world champion, and the tag team champions, Jurassic Express, in what I can only describe as like an insane spot fest. It was. Um, that triple moonsault, mm. that perfectly choreographed, synchronized uh, triple moonsault uh, with uh, all three men together was yeah. amazing. Um, Jungle Boy's double suicide, uh, the, sorry, double doomsday device yeah. from the top rope. Um, insane. Um, Adam Cole and Red Dragon picked up the victory here. But honestly, like, who really cares when the match is this good? Fire. Uh, this was low-key, I think, the, the match of the night, like the highlight of the night, in my opinion. But a lot of people will forget because like, there's so many things happen. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the beauty of AEW. So many things happen that something like this can fall under the radar. Yeah, and again, this is why you watch Dynamite. You know, like, mm. this is why the action is hard, you know. Uh, you are having your top-tier guys, you know, opening the game, the entire uh, ma- uh, the entire card for the night. Uh, I like that you call them the Undisputed Hero. Uh, <laughs> hey, they still are to me, lah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was overall uh, entertaining as hell. Um, yeah. Again, they, it's definite that Undisputed Era should win. There was that miscommunication between uh, Jungle Boy, I mean, uh, Lucha Man and Lucha Man. Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus and, Jungle, and Boy. Jungle Boy and Hangman Page, I mean. Yeah, because they're not a team, exactly. whereas the Undisputed Era have been a team since the ROH days. Exactly. So, you know, so yeah, yeah. They, they was expected and there was that miscom. And again, just the Red Dragon and Adam Cole you, uh, are more experienced tag teams. Cut off the mm. ring very well. And that's how they scored the win. It wasn't anything super special or anything apart from the two really crazy spots. La. You, mm. know? you know, but the, the, the thing is, like, I typically don't like champions losing, mm-hmm. but but Hangman Page and Jurassic Express are not trios champions. Yeah, you know? they're not. They, they, are, they were up against a very veteran, super coordinated trios tag team mm-hmm. that have been together for... 15 years now since the ROH days all the way to NXT all the way to now you know? mm-hmm. um, so they should lose in a trios match because they are not a team and Red Dragon and the Spirit Era are a team so that's great I really like that um, let's move on to the pro wrestling faction now um, Brian Danielson and John Moxley took on best friends Chuck <laughs> Taylor and Wheeler Utah. you know because they're, they're, because they're clearly setting up this, this contrast of factions yeah, right? yeah. this pro wrestling faction on and, and then sports entertainment faction on the other end Absolutely, yeah. and and our fantasy book that like after we talked yeah, about both can, actions can, here, can. Um, Brian Danielson and John Moxley took on Chuck Taylor and Billy Utah in a very very good match that showed the chemistry of Brian Danielson and John mm-hmm. Moxley. But the highlight of the match was William Regal on commentary, mm-hmm. uh, who just sounded like the most sophisticated uh, man on earth. He you does. Know? Um, the way he talks to Jim Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, you know, always a pleasure, never a chore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man in the mask as he as he talks to um, uh, Excalibur. Uh, makes him sound so um, mysterious, you know, uh, mysterious, uh, and then like you could tell that um, Regal wasn't watching AW when he was running NXT la, because you know um, he had this very uh, interesting comment when uh, Excalibur was calling moves and the psychology of the moves, uh-huh. and then he was like, "Oh, you guys do that here." <laughs> <laughs> Because he said, like, that was my job. Like, I'm suppo- I, I was the one who's supposed to be here calling the moves. But hey, you guys actually talk about wrestling. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yep. You know? yep. um, but the story of the match was what happened after when, when Utah and best friends were walking away and Utah turned his back on, uh, on a comedy stable, you know, that has Dan Housen, that has Orange Cassidy mm-hmm. and stuff like that, best friends. And he went into the ring to try to shake hands with William Regal, Danielson and John Moxie. 
Uh, and William Regal really put the story over on commentary because he said that, like, you know, I want to see your reaction to me slapping you. Because that, that's why he did it at Revolution. Mm-hmm. So it came slapping Utah and Utah not backing down told the story already yeah. and, and it told the story in a very subtle way. Um, what, what do you think about this uh, recruitment of Wheeler Utah story? Um, I mean, this is a great easy way to get the mm. people you want, right? Mm-hmm. Like a great recruitment tool. Have William Regal yep. slap them. Yep. Uh, and I think it really worked on William, uh, Wheeler Utah. Uh, yeah. William Utah, I felt, gave uh, outstanding performance against, I mean, against uh, Moxley and... Uh, and uh, Danielson. Danielson. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Rigo put over Utah hard. Yeah. Tree, man. But to yeah. be fair, Chuck Taylor was no push, uh, pushover as well, man. Chuck Taylor actually did quite a few things in this match as well. Oh, Chuck Taylor is a veteran. Exactly. We're not surprised that yeah. he's good. You know? yeah. 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 Um, And so, even though this is like a quote-unquote comedy stable, right? Mm-hmm. All these guys have given the Bane guys a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um. We all remember best friends versus Santana and Ortiz in that parking lot brawl. Orange Cassidy has given so many people problems. He beat um, Adam Cole to to end their feud. Chuck Taylor, I think, uh, with uh, the whole thing with, uh, what's his face? Trent Beretta. Trent Beretta. Denhausen. Denhausen. The whole thing with Miro was Chuck Taylor, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so Miro's not around at the moment because of injuries, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, but he was a but his butler once upon a time. Yeah, that was like, that was a crazy, that was a stupid ass C story or D story, but it was still fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, so whatever it is, uh, I'm quite interested to see where Wheeler Utah goes from here. Um, yeah, I mean, joining a stable with Moxie and Brian is just make it just makes sense, like, If you want to elevate yourself to the next level, absolutely. Yeah, and you want to be in the most dominant or one going to be one of the most dominant stables. That's mm-hmm. where you make your move, lah. Um, I hundred percent foresee Cesaro to be a part of this table, don't you? It just makes sense, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I look forward to uh in the coming weeks vignettes of Utah coming to their like their training dungeon and getting stretched out and learning stuff, you know, from them. Why not? Why not? That'll be fantastic. You know, yeah. it, it's something like the Timothy Thatcher vignettes stuff from NXT. Yeah. It'll be it'll, it'll be quite good. Uh, let's talk about the other stable, the sports entertainment uh, stable, <laughs> the Jericho Appreciation Society, which formed last yeah. week alongside 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. They're not 2.0. Cut, I know, I know. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> cut, cut an amazing promo this week that really sold me on, on the stupidity of the name yeah. and, 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 and everything, like, essentially. Yeah. You know. Um... I'm I'm gonna give the floor to you here. Like, like talk about talk about the amazingness of the Jericho Appreciation Society because we've been crapping so much on how lame Chris Jericho exactly. is all his sayings. GFY, I'm the influencer, I'm a sports entertainer. The 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 name of the group, the Jericho Appreciation oh, Society, on, is so brilliant. It's so lame. But I'm okay with it being lame as long as they're healed. Exactly. You know? But when Jericho when Jericho was uh, supposed to be a cool face, no, right? It didn't, it didn't work. work. And I appreciate Jericho. <laughs> Because mm. of this. Like, come on, he turned shit into wine. You know? He always does. He always does. He saw an opening and look at that, immediately adapted to it. Like, this is why Chris Jericho is really one of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh, how how many weeks were we shitting on this whole thing? Like, Jericho being this, why is he so lame and all that stuff? And you saw that, actually, he was, he kind of knew what was happening and kind of adapted to it and then created this mm. whole new um, gimmick stable, stable gimmick, gimmick uh, b- based on his arrogance hubris and lameness exactly and like just went yeah. you know just uh, double down on it 
Yeah. And made it something really interesting to watch. You know, I can't wait to see this whole like sports entertainer thing that he he he's talking about. Um, I like that he called out uh, 2.0's dumbass name. Called mm-hmm. it a stupid name from bad creative. You know? Yeah, obviously, obviously a dick at NXT. Though, exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we'll see where this table goes, but it's definitely... I don't think they're going to clash with the whole uh, pro wrestling stable that John Moxley and Brian Danielson are doing right now because both stories are very, very in the nascent... Uh, nascent mm. stages right so they're going to build and have their own stories separately first but uh, this, this is Blood and Guts in June something June like is that a far away over. exactly yeah. so that will culminate with these two um, getting in each other's throats and it'll be brilliant yes um, Chris Jericho talking about why he's a sports entertainer and not a pro wrestler because mm-hmm. we're here to make money and everything mm-hmm. you know no star has ever been pro wrestler stars are sports entertainers you know the way he talks about um, how 2.0 uh, got onto AEW because his old friend Kevin mm-hmm. gave him a call, mm-hmm. put him, um, put these guys on his radar and AEW's radar, and that's how Matt Lee and Jeff Parker uh, came to AEW. He talks about his history with Daniel Garcia, who got into a car crash in 2019. Yeah. Um, that's why Daniel Garcia. I like this like real life story yes. to explain why Daniel Garcia would join. Um, a stable that is very unlike him, you know, because he got into a car crash, he broke both his legs, people thought he would never wrestle anymore, but Chris Jericho um, donated thousands of dollars to help in his recovery. I mean, this was a real thing, the real thing that happened, Chris Jericho actually exactly. did this in 2019. And you, know? you have to weave this kind of true stories in to make, make it make sense. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, exactly, you know, I love that, but, but, um, I also was initially a bit, um, apprehensive, uh, app- apprehensive, because when Jericho said, on January 6th, and then dot, 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 2019, and I was like, oh, thank God. I thought he was going to talk about the Capitol riots. Um, oh. Because <laughs> he said on January 6th, and then he paused. <laughs> and I said, wait, 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 where are you going here? Where are you going here? Yeah. And then he said 2019, I was like, oh, thank God. He's not, he's not going to do some sort of allusion to the Capitol riots. Uh. Thank God. It's like, I was like, what, what happened? Were, were you and Daniel Garcia in the Capitol riots? Did you storm, did you storm Congress? Is, is that what happened? You're Canadian, Chris. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, a- a- anyways, yeah, this this is all really great. And the whole image of Daniel Garcia, who is this grapple fuck wrestler standing in the middle of the ring and saying, I appreciate Jericho and I am a sports, a sports entertainer. entertainer, is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. So it's obvious that Jericho Appreciation Society, J A S, um, I would love if they pronounce the J with a soft J, you know, like the Mexicans do it. So it's Yas. Uh, <laughs> yas. I would love for Yas and um, Regal's wrestlers to feud eventually. But of course, I think the Jericho Appreciation Society will feud with LAX first. Um, Eddie Kingston yeah. and Sammy Guevara and Santana Ortiz. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I know they're not called LAX, la, but LAX was their stable name yeah, in, yeah. in Impact. So I'm mean, calling them LAX. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, just like how I called that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so exactly. I think J. JS from mid-March, which is right now, all the way to mid-May, will feud with uh, LAX. You know, you you can get Sammy versus Chris. You can there get... so uh, many Sen- permutations, yeah. Yeah, send ten on Ortiz versus 2.0, stuff like that. You know, so many permutations. You you, you run that through first. Lah, uh, where, and Regal's wrestlers will feud with best friends over Wheeler Utah. You know, so th- those are the next two months. Once the nascent stage is over, once you've gotten them... Uh, wins over other stables over the first two months. You got to do sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. It's uh, right J- there. 
JAS versus Regal's wrestlers. Yeah. And what better way, because I already predicted that they would be going after Wheeler Utah. What was my second prediction? They will be going after Daniel Garcia, yep, right? Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, custody of Daniel Garcia is a great um, angle for their feud because they want Daniel Garcia to go, go back to his grapple fucking roots, mm-hmm. you know, his, uh, his uh, Drew Gulak type style. Yep. Uh, and Chris Jericho is trying to influence him to the dark side. It's a bit like, you know, um, it's, it's almost like a AW versus WWE feud in, in, in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is, your, this is a developmental talent that we want to develop our way, not your way, that type of thing. Um, and I think it's going to lead to a June blood and guts between the two factions uh, in, in, the, in the War Games ring. Uh, and it will lead to, you know, after they fight all that, William Regal will, will scream on the mic, blood and guts, like he used to do with War Games. And that leads to the that leads to the black and gold match go. between Yas Yas and uh, Regal's wrestlers. <laughs> they have no name yet, right? Regal's wrestlers. That's why you call it the Regal's wrestlers. Yeah, because they are under Regal and they are wrestlers. Yeah. Whereas uh, versus Jericho sports entertainers. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the next few months. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last week. Scorpio Sky defeated Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, something I predicted as well, and. And it was a it was a really fun match that really told the story of Sammy Guevara losing because of his uh, intense schedule. Yeah, uh, he's been defending the TNT Championship week in week out against Andrade, against Darby, against Darby and Andrade. Yeah, uh, the insane trio stack match or revolution. And this was just and too I, much, you know, like his body just couldn't yeah. take it anymore. Yes, and I also love the story about how Sammy Guevara is a risk taker, yes. and you know he's he's been he's been getting lucky all these times. Uh, he's been taking risks and they've been paying off, but one of these days they're not going to pay and off. And that happened last so, week. So he sets up the table. He goes to the six thirty. He crashes through the table, which led to his demise. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this story is intertwining with Wardlow's um, request for his release from NJF, which is I think a, a nice subtle dig. At uh, WWE, you know, not not granting releases here. Uh, Wardlow came in the ring last week. He gave a great baby face promo. He requested his release. He wants to be his own man. Uh, he won the face of the Re- Revolution ladder match, so he takes on uh, Scorpio Sky here. Uh, but of course, due to interference from both American Top Team and the Pinnacle, uh-huh. Wardlow loses uh, because of shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about this match? Because while I like the story. I feel like Scorpio Sky kind in, of like becomes an illegitimate champion. Uh, yeah, I feel like this match made both Scorpio Sky and Wardlow look bad. You know, um, you need to put one or the other over. You know, what was our problem with Britt Baker's run? Was that for nine months? Too right? many interferences. Yeah, and within one week, I already kind of got sick of Scorpio Sky's doing. You know, like Scorpio Sky doesn't feel like a real strong champion. You can have strong champion heels. You know, it's it's possible. It's you fine, can do that. Yeah. Not every not everyone needs to be a shit heel. You know. Yep. Um, and I think Scorpio Sky deserves to put on like bagger matches and win legitimately. Mm. Um, and for and I can really see like his reign for the next three four months just being like Dan Lambert and and the ATT guys outside Paige Benson and all that just running interference on him and I'm I'm already kind of over it mm-hmm. and although I, we're only one week in what about you? Uh, I mean I hope they, uh, they they see that this is going to be a mistake if that's the way that they're going to run it mm-hmm. and kind of change it a bit Yeah. Uh, but if that's the way then yeah it's going to be another bit bigger situation now where you're just going to get sick of it um, mm. however in terms of the story for Wardlow this kind of pushes it forward yeah, it makes Wardlow yep. look bad, but then again, he doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Like he's always been MJF's guy, you know. Everybody was like chanting CM Punk, CM Punk to come out and help him. But like, why would CM Punk come out and help him? 
Yeah, the the guy who beat him up, you know, and everything. Exactly. It's not like he never yeah. lay hands on CM Punk. He did. Yeah, he did help CM Punk win at the, at the end, end, lah. But that, that that doesn't mean that they're friends. Exactly. Know? You know. Yeah. Uh. So and and this is kind of those those heroes journey that Wallow needs to take, like He needs to overcome this, um, crazy odds line that sense. No, not on his own. Yeah, on yeah. his own. Correct. And uh, especially against someone like MGF, this cowardly heel thing, lah. Mm-hmm. Um, I Sean Spears, I think, uh, embodied this whole chairman thing perfectly. Like yep. he doesn't need to do much anymore, like He just be the chairman, perfect, You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, you saw how it cost Wardlow, and I like the little bit where MJ passed the money to Dan Lambert. To yeah. Show that, to, to explain why why they're working yeah, together. Because yeah. Because it didn't. It, it wouldn't have made sense. I if if let's say you know that didn't happen. Yes, yeah. exactly. It'll be a very paper thin because oh, Scorpio Sky was inside. Is that why? No, it cannot be. That doesn't make sense. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that little uh, giving of the money really solidified why Dan Lambert and his his stable was helping MJF. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing that I very correctly predicted was not only Jeff Hardy joining AEW because of all the erratic clues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, Matt Hardy has been leaving, but I also predicted the Hardy Boys versus Private Party, which came to fruition. Yeah. Almost immediately, yeah. uh, the Hardy Boys have reunited for their in-ring debut in AEW to take on Private Party. I thought this was fun. Um, fun. The Hardys basically just played the hits, yeah. and that was what that was what that's what you want for their debut match. Mm-hmm. Like, they played the hits. Uh, they beat a really solid team in Private Party who actually grew up idolizing them. So I think they must have marked out also uh, putting the Hardy Boys over. Yeah. You know, for for two guys who obviously grew up watching the Hardy Boys, this is a this is a great moment for both Private Party mm-hmm. uh, members. Um, what do you think about the return of the Hardy Boys? Uh, AW, like I said before in a few episodes, they do nostalgia, right? Mm, <laughs> right? Yep. This is the nostalgia act. Come on, okay? Yeah. They're no longer yeah. their primes and all that stuff, but they make do. And, you know, yeah, just play the hits. That's what they want. If you want a nostalgia, play the, the hits well, get out of there, you know? Mm. And so that's what they did. The side effects, the twist of fates, the... Uh, I like the the senton that they became a splash. That was yeah, yeah, they... they they were trying to drag out the oh, can he still do this one part? You know, like you know. Yeah, that but also it was because yeah. uh, uh, from one of the reports is because Cassidy was too close to the, the thing. To the ropes, yeah, and Jeff yeah. uh, immediately kind of uh, adapted to that. Mm, so yep, that's yep. awesome. Uh, means Jeff yeah. is still you know, <laughs> he's not as drunk as everybody thinks he is. Uh, right, yeah. And the finale lah, the senton obviously, and then blah blah blah, done. We're done. And then you know the Absolutely. the the shenanigans after just uh, added the flavor. Absolutely. I would be quite remiss, though, if I didn't mention Jeff Hardy's debut last week when he came out to an old rocker's ovation, you know, to, yeah. to his original theme music, yeah. which, as it turns out, is stock, stock music. music. <laughs> um, I was under the impression that WWE um, hired someone like Joe Johnston or someone, you know, you know, back in the day, right, to make this Hardy Voice theme yeah, song. because that so sounds like a Joe the- Johnston track, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I was under the impression that WWE owned it. So when his actual WWE music hit in an AEW arena, I was in utter bafflement. I was like, huh? how can this be? Yeah. I... And then it turns out that this was stock <laughs> music that anybody can use for a very small fee. Like I, I looked it up. You, for, for literally $2.99, you can use this at your own promotion. You know, if you're if you're running your own like local promo, you can use the Hardy Wise music. Why not? <laughs> I mean it's not the Hardy the, the, the point is that it's not the Hardy Voice music, but it is recognized oh. as the Hardy Voice music. 
they they've made it the Hardy Boys music, exactly. but it's not the Hardy Boys music, like, Yeah, like we could buy it, you know. Yeah, and use it for all our our podcast uh, intros from now on. Absolutely, like we could just rename us like the Hardy Boys, especially because like your name is Hardy, <laughs> exactly. so it's to make, it still makes sense. still makes sense as well. Yeah, um, this was this was a really really good thing. But uh, were you really bothered by you know um, Matt Hardy was getting choked in the ring by the EFO, yeah. right? You know, like it was a, a seven on one beatdown, mm-hmm. and then Jeff Hardy like stopped in the middle of his save, and then like he danced on the ramp while his brother was getting like choked unconscious. <laughs> That's the last six one, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fucking hilarious, by the way, <laughs> because he needed to do that one dance just one time because to pop the crowd. <laughs> I know, but he it, said it's like, oh, should, I, should I save my brother? Should I do the dance first? Uh, let's do the dance first. You know. Because, uh, because, because and, I knew that he was coming up, but in my mind, right, like, please just do the dance one time and then go and save your brother. And he really did I know, it. I know. But it was just like, it was one of those moments where the nostalgia and the cool factor um trumped the logic, <laughs> the logic factor. factor. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, my brother is dying, but wait, 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 let me do the dance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, it, it, you, you know what only made it worse was that like Sting and Darby Allen also came out after that and they also strolled to the ring. Yeah, they did. They're like, they stopped in the ram, so then they looked around, <laughs> you know. She, yeah. I was like, guys, guys come on, like, if you're going to save this guys. guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, of course, we are, a lot of us have already like pointed out the history between Jeff and Sting. Uh, which probably would lead to a nice little dissolution of this mini faction mm. uh, later on, you know. Um, I think, not not right now, not right now. You do the nostalgia first right mm-hmm. now. But eventually, you know, later in the year or maybe one year from now, you could do Jeff versus Sting over the custody of Darby, Je- Darby Allen. Because Darby Allen, Loves truth both. be told, Jeff, ha- Jeff Hardy, to be honest, right, is his, is his real wrestling daddy. Yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he, because of his he, age and all that. Because of his age, because of their wrestling style, you know that Darby Allen was heavily influenced by Jeff Hardy more than anyone. Sure. He was not he's not a singer kid. He is a Jeff Hardy kid. Hundred you know? percent. Uh and I love this whole story about not making Jeff Hardy a heel, but making him, you know, this recovering alcoholic who wants to do better, but sting because of his experiences with Jeff Hardy Dude, at, at DNA. Sting and was McHugh there during Jeff that. Hardy's worst ever match. Of course, of course, worst. you know, he had to fall. <laughs> He had to forcefully pin him, you know, when, when Jeff was caught, uh, doped up. Uh, essentially, like he was you know. so pissed. Like, Sting was so pissed. So, so Sting can be, like, the responsible father uh, and, and Jeff Hardy can be the recovering alcoholic father and they're fighting over the custody of Darby Allen. Sting, Sting you know, is just like, uh, for very good reason, he, under- he, he doesn't uh, want to give Jeff Hardy a second chance, mm-hmm. uh, although, you know, Jeff Hardy deserves one. So, it, it makes for a nice story there. Um and and the conflict for Darby Allen would be quite obvious here like, because Sting is the one who's brought him up in AEW whereas you know his his wrestling mind was brought up by Jeff Hardy yeah. so it makes for a natural feud down the road uh and I would love to see this like, what, what what about you I mean I would love to see this just because of the fact that okay this this thing uh Jeff Hardy situation happened back in TNA back in twenty eleven. Yeah, but as we talked about in the last episode, wrestling history it's is canon AEW exactly history. so that's why uh it I mean. They they have to mention it eventually down the road, mm-hmm. and like that match was the worst wrestling match I ever seen in my life. It was it was scary. It was scary, it was scary because you people could have gotten hurt. Jeff yeah. was just so out of it. You know? had like freaking uh, what's the the manager, uh, Eric Bischoff, you know, coming out halfway to like mm-hmm. kind of like talk to Jeff and uh, try, yeah, try to save the situation. Yeah, it was insane. Like so, I I I mean. That is something that I have to address now that the two of them are finally in the same uh, promotion mm-hmm. after 10 years, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. So yep. eventually. Um, 
before we leave off AEW, I have to mention that FTR fired their manager, they did, Tadi yeah. Um, And then, this week, somebody came up to them. I forgot who came up to FTR. I think it was the Young Bucks, Young Bucks, right? Young Bucks, yeah. Came up to them and said that, you know, you suck with or without exactly. Tadi. It doesn't matter who, who your manager who is. Mani- who manager is. But, you, you, you recall the exact lines that they said? What did they say? They said that it doesn't matter who your manager is. Even he, if he is the best there is, you still won't be a good tag team. Do you think that Bret Hart will be managing FTR? Oh no. That's a clue, right? Isn't that a clue? The best there is? Yeah. The best there was? The best there ever will be? Oh my god, that would be dope. I, I mean, Bret Hart fits with FTR. Like, and, and of course 100%. we all remember how... Of course we remember how FTR saved Bret Hart during the Hall of Fame attack. Exactly. Know, like, yeah, yeah. They destroyed the guy. They attacked him. Yeah, and FTR has you know come out in multiple in- interviews uh, saying that the reason they became a tag team was when they met in NXT, when they met in the Performance Center, they asked each other, hey, um, are you a Brett or a Sean guy? And they, they both said they were Brett guys. You know, obviously because of their style, right? No. And that's how they, that's how they became a tag team. Yeah, yeah. Like, they've, told their sto- they've told their no, origin story so many yeah, times. But, oh my God. Firing, I mean, that's the only reason. I mean, wow, that's so awesome actually. Right, the, the the pieces fit, right? It hundred percent fits. Like it yeah, wouldn't be something just... stupid. Uh, like it, it felt like it was a throwaway line, but oh my god, that was a huge mm. clue. You're right. Good catch, man. Mm. Yeah, the the best there is. Uh, I think Brad Hart is all elite right now, and I can't wait for that. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, plus, they're, plus they're doing the the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament in May, so that will be a good time to debut Brad Hart as well. Ah, uh, yes, let's do that. That's hundred percent. That's hundred percent. Why? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um. Can't wait for this. Our last topic of the night. We're gonna be talking about Dolph Ziggler defeating Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker in a triple threat mm-hmm. match to win the NXT Championship. Mm-hmm. Um. This was quite an out of the blue championship win because Braun Breaker just won it a month ago. In New Year's Evil. Uh. In New Year's Evil. But I like it. Yeah. I. Um. No. No. Not only was it a banger match, and it was a banger match, you should go back and watch um, NXT Roadblock, uh, where Dolph Ziggler won it. The triple threat match with uh, Tommaso Ciampa yeah. and Brombreaker was quite a banger, and Dolph Ziggler is a good worker. Like, just because we haven't seen him doing good work in WWE, it's not his fault. You know, We know he's a good worker. Nah, he just is and, like shit. <laughs> and I love that he gets to showcase that, oh, hey, he's actually a really good professional wrestler in NXT, which is a, more, which is a purer wrestling division like, within the WWE. Um, and him winning the title, I think it's a nice little swerve that nobody sees coming. Nobody. It allows Bron, it allows Bron Breaker to win it back from him on WrestleMania weekend at Standing Deliver yeah. and stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah. Do, do you think this was a good call? Because I see a lot of people don't like it, but I personally liked it. I kind of like no, but it doesn't make sense why you don't like it. Just okay. I think people don't like it just because of the shortness of the reign for Bron Breaker. But I feel yeah. that Bron Breaker could use a little more of a chase. Yeah. Like, I felt yeah. he won his title a bit. Slightly prematurely, slightly owning. Yeah, he was pushed to the moon yeah. very quickly. Though. And so I feel that he needs the chase a bit more. And yep. that always leads to best stories in NXT. Whenever yeah. you're chasing for the title. Look at look at freaking uh um uh uh Johnny Wrestling. Mm, right? Gagano. Gagano. His best time was when he was chasing for the title. Yep. And so I think that will really help Born Baker grow as a as a superstar. And mm-hmm. him chasing the title, maybe winning it in Dolph as what uh during when what, what stand and deliver right on April second, mm-hmm. I think that'll be dope yep. too la. you know. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, agree. Yeah. I like that Dolph Ziggler has become a. I mean, they, they legitimized Dolph Ziggler a little more by having him defend his title against LA Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I think this week, right? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. And, and Dolph Ziggler is a former world champion, man. Uh, yes, exactly. Absolutely legit. Yeah. And, and he didn't get the moment in the sun the last time, you know. And as a as a transitional champion in NXT, fine. You know, he's 41 years old, transitional champion. I do not mind this at all. As long as it serves mm. the story well, uh, and the story should be Braun Breaker. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Braun Breaker beating Tommaso Ciampa for the belt and then beating Dolph Ziggler in a one-on-one match. Keep in mind that Braun Breaker wasn't pinned here. Yeah, he um, wasn't. So, yeah. um, it still keeps Braun Breaker looking strong and him beating Dolph Ziggler and Ciampa really legitimizes him as a champion mm-hmm. uh, moving on from WrestleMania weekend. Lah. So, I yeah, I, I really, really like this development and I think it's quite cool. Um, any other like little wrestling thoughts here and there from the world of wrestling that you want to point out before we end this episode? Um, Stone Cold is <laughs> getting into uh, ring shape. Yeah, to take on uh maybe in an unofficial match at uh because they, they didn't specify a match probably a fight or something with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. He's been on a media run, uh, mm-hmm. in LA and all that. So yeah, to promote WrestleMania because WrestleMania will be in LA. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's been in all the LA radio shows and all that. Um, because yeah. I, I, I listen to sports American sports radio so mm. I was like hey Stone Cold <laughs> on like multiple yeah. uh, LA sports uh, radio channels so it makes yeah. sense that he's coming back lah. Um, I mean also it was 316 days just two days ago lah, so that's why he was also moving around yeah. 316 days yeah. um, um, but it's specific in Owens... LA though because he's not based in LA right correct uh, no 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 he's uh, Texas, he right? lives on a, on, a, on a ranch in Texas yeah. lah. Uh, the what, uh, what skull skull broken skull. skull ranch. Okay. Anyway, also on another note, uh, Logan Paul, mm. uh, and the Miz. Sure. Right. That would be interesting. I guess um the highlights of WrestleMania at the moment is um Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. Logan Paul versus the Miz or and the Miz. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um Ronda Stone. Ronda, we have Stone Cold coming back to do a sort of match. I mean, boy, is this not the most poorly built WrestleMania in years? I, I, I mean, I. To be fair, I only watch highlights now of Raw and SmackDown. Sure. And I'm still confused at what's happening. <laughs> like, okay, I tried to watch a whole like three-hour Raw, right? Sure. And yeah. I was still like, what's happening? Like, I don't understand a single thing that's happening right now. Um, 100% agree. One thing that I'm interested in is that Logan Paul might be hired to be a creative. Sure. But I mean, um, Freddie Prince Jr. was once a creative also. Yeah, yeah, and Freddie Prince, as we know, did actually quite a fine job with Jeff Hardy and all that. Yep. The whole pushing on Jeff Hardy was uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s idea. La. Also, yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, I, I want to see, because it's quite interesting to add in a very new dimension like Logan Paul into the mix. La. We'll see what happens there. La. It might be gold, it might be shit, whatever. Who who knows until it's tried out, you know? Yeah, yeah. sure, mm. sure. Okay. Um. Yeah, but I did that. I'm really not looking to WrestleMania 38. Do you think Cody is debuting there? Nah. Really? You don't think so anymore? I don't know. It feels like it's too big of a... It's too big for WWE to debut someone like Cody during WrestleMania, like all that history and all that. I mean, it'd be cool... But I don't know whether they're w- they're mature enough to to let bygones be bygones. You know what I mean? You know, because Seth Rollins doesn't have a match now. The whole story around Seth Rollins is that he doesn't have a match for Mania. I mean, he's probably going to do some sort of open challenge, and then that's where Cody debuts. You, I mean, I hope that, that happens. That, that, yep, yep. Uh, on another note, uh, there are um, this is weird because Cesaro has been released, right? Mm-hmm. 
So Ah, uh, not not released. His contract expired. Oh, sorry. So no, 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 compete. Oh, okay. So he's gone lah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. He can debut at any time. Yeah. There's no ninety days. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who has uh, spoken out to want to be his manager? Uh, who's that? Rick Flair. Oh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. I mean, okay, whatever lah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that's one of those like weird news I've read over time lah. But if Cesaro is going to AEW, I doubt Warner Media wants to associate, no, 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 associate themselves not. with Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the toxicity yeah. that is around Ric Flair after Ric Flair. the Dark Side of the Ring, I don't think it's yeah. gone yet. Yeah. We we all know um, Tony Khan wanted to set up this FTR versus the Briscoes feud, which he set up at GCW and all mm-hmm. that. You know, He allowed the FTR to come over. Mm-hmm. But when they wanted to hire the Briscoes, Warner Media nixed the ideas because of... Um, the Briscoe's history of homophobic, homophobic, homophobic tweets on Twitter. Yeah, because they're great uh, Yeah, you know they when when the when the gay marriage bill was passed back in 2012, um, they threatened to shoot anyone who uh, who did that in front of them. So it was you know one of those very touchy things. And and Warner Media being a big corporation would, would not want to touch that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Briscoes have come out and apologized several times. They said they changed people, and I believe them. But I think the history is too much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's it for this week's episode of the Hard You're surprised, right? There are so many WWE things that I, I kind of knew. <laughs> uh, of course, you know. Um, I just wanted to talk about Dolph Ziggler, which was, I thought was fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, but we will be back to talk about a lot of WWE when we cover WrestleMania weekend, sure. including NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 38. Mm-hmm. Plus, ROH Supercard of Honor happens that weekend as well. Um, so big things in the beginning of April, and we'll be back in two weeks' time for that. Uh, till then, this has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye.